Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm your host, Scott Livingston, and this is where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page, Scott G. Livingston. My goal is to empower and inspire a community of people who take every opportunity to live a high-performing life. Before I get started on today's podcast, I want to take a moment to connect you with my sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. Reconditioning is a method and language of integrated practice that brings the worlds of therapy and conditioning together and helps them become more powerful and more practical. If you live in one or both of these worlds or you use the services of a therapist or conditioning coach, you know that sometimes they don't see eye to eye. They aren't on the same page. Reconditioning provides a time-tested process for aligning these two worlds and creating impactful solutions to performance problems. And now the entire approach is available for you to digest online from the comfort of your own home. Follow them at ReconditioningHQ on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or become a member of their Facebook Reconditioning HQ Revolution community and join the Reconditioning Revolution. Team up with Matrix. If you're striving for that competitive edge, make sure Matrix is on your team so you have everything you need to build a winner from start to finish. With over 500 products, exclusive training tools, and years of experience, we can help you create a facility that maximizes athletic potential in new ways. We can deliver a wide range of complete programming solutions to build strength, explosiveness, speed, and agility in athletes of all kinds. Our partnerships with coaching professionals make it easy to access expert insight that enhances the way your team trains. And of course, everything Matrix is engineered and tested to meet the most stringent international standards for safety and quality. So we'll be with you season after season season for years. For more information, go to Matrix Canadian team site, teamupwithmatrix.com forward slash CA. How would you like to increase your athletic performance and reduce your risk of injury? If this sounds good to you, please allow me to introduce you to the all-new Isofit MSK. The multi-patented Isofit MSK is the world's first full-body, portable, isometric strength training device. Since launching in November 2020, the Isofit MSK is now helping thousands of people across 18 countries live pain-free, high-performing lifestyles. Whether your goal is to enhance muscle strength and endurance, improve neuromuscular potentiation, strength strengthen tendons and bones, or enhance cardiovascular performance, the Isofit MSK does it all. To learn more about the Isofit MSK, please visit www.isofitmsk.ca. That's Isofit with a P-H-I-T, MSK.ca. Remember to use the discount code IHPS at checkout to save yourself $250 per unit. The Isofit MSK is proudly made in Canada. Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm Scott Livingston and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Rick Shaley. Rick has spent 33 years developing and growing an integrated multidimensional healthcare company that is inclusive of sports medicine, mind to muscle and trainer's choice. Located in Barrie, Ontario, sports medicine is an innovative multidisciplinary rehabilitation company and mind to muscle is a strength conditioning business that trains athletes to reach their maximum performance potential. Trainer's Choice is a manufacturer of an international distributor of sports medicine and active lifestyle products primarily sold into the pharmacy mass retail market for which Rick acts as the CEO. In 2010, Rick constructed the Eagle Ridge Professional Complex, a 100,000 square foot medical development that is home to several medical and health services, combining to provide a regional community health hub. This venture has promoted relationships with the Royal Victoria Regional Health Center, the Barry Community Health Center, and the Huronia Urgent Care Center for form a dynamic and cohesive community facility. Rick is business partner and husband Tamara, and together they are parents of two grown children. I'm honored to have them on the show today. Welcome, Rick. Scotty, thanks for having me. This is an honor. Yeah, it's a, uh, on your success as well. It's fantastic. No, thanks, man. It's a, it's a passion project and it's, um, it's actually, you know, very, there's a selfishness to it in the, in the sense that I get to sit down with guys like you who are very busy people and, and pick your brain for an hour and, and expose some of the things you've learned over time to everybody else. And it lets me kind of connect with you and, and get a sense of, you know, how you became the person you are and the business person you are. And I think that's very valuable for the listeners. So let's start back at the beginning. You know, you're a kid 
And what are you dreaming of being when you're a kid? What do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, so I grew up on a farm and uh, we were very hockey centric and, you know, it was all about hockey and, and, you know, becoming, you know, a hockey player. And uh, I realized um, at that time that um, you have to be good to move on to hockey. <laughs> I, I, say, I say that uh, as a joke because I was hurt at everything I did, every sport I played, I was hurt. And that was kind of the catalyst to moving forward in, into what we do, you know, what we do here. And, and so I spent a lot of time, you know, at a well-known clinic, uh, Doug Freer had uh, the original clinic here in Barrie and, and I spent a lot of time, uh, with him and Terry Page or names from the past, but, uh, a lot of knee injuries at, um, five surgeries and, uh, uh over time you realize that it's not going to happen. And, and then, so you look at different things. And so when I grew up at the, on the farm, I was going to be a welder because we welded on the farm. My neighbor uh, was a very successful millwright. Um, I had a big company, very successful. And then, so I decided, well, oh, maybe I'll be a millwright. And so you kind of go through these steps as a teenager and, um, the one good thing that happened was uh, I went to a co-op for being a millwright. And uh, I realized after a week that being a millwright isn't, wasn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> and so, you know, co-ops are valuable because, you, you know, you find what you're good at, you find what you like, and uh, I found what I didn't like. Um, and then I sort of rethought my, you know, my young life as a teenager and I said okay what am I going to do and uh, being a farm kid you, you become very um, self-sufficient early so I realized that I had to make it on my own I wasn't going to you know carry on with the, the farm and so uh, I like sports and I like being active and I you know although I played everything and got hurt I loved to play and so then it was, okay, I want to do something in sports. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to be a professional uh, goalie. So it was, what am I going to do? And so I started looking around at, at careers. And so um, I spent so much time in physio. I realized, hey, this is a good profession. And I liked it. And I got to know some of the people there. But then I took it one step further. And it was, I wonder if I could just do sports. Is there a profession that would have... Uh, you know, sport injuries. And, and I came across athletic therapy at Sheridan College. Um, my cousin, uh, uh, Walter Grassmeyer, is one of the first students that went through the program. And so then it was, how do I, how do I get uh, to that program? And so um, I'm telling you a lot of details, but uh, I realized that my academic career wasn't quite where it needed to be either. And so I retook, I retook some courses. And at the time here in Barrie, there was two high schools that had um, anatomy and physiology courses. And so I transferred schools to take uh, one of those courses. And um, uh, I'm not afraid to say it took me three years to get into Sheridan. So I went to grade 14. So that's, you know, <laughs> 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 hey, you turned out okay, bud. So you're good. <laughs> it worked out okay, and I got you know part of it uh, as a as a teenager was having fun in high school, and uh, I played football. We won a couple championships, and you know though I look back at those days and you know you know how fond they were to me and how it actually uh, you know plays into where I am today. Mm -hmm. And so um, you know. Uh, I finally got in. So here's the connection. So at 16, I needed to make money. I started to referee hockey uh, in Thornton, a small little village. Uh, I refed uh, a lot. Uh, that was my way to make money. Uh, my dad said, you know, you need your own gas money, your own food money. Uh, you need your own money. So it was about uh, getting on the ice and earning uh, some money around school and those kind of things. 
And so how that plays into it is that Barry Bartlett, who was the NHL supervisor at the time, uh, a professor at Sheridan College, in my third year, my third interview, we got talking about hockey and, uh, and uh, lo and behold, I got it. So, you know, that, that's, that's how it all started. Uh, that's a great story. I love that. Yeah. Before you unpack the Sheridan piece, I want to come back on two threads. One is, um, you know, you grew up on a farm. Was there pressure from your dad and parents to take over the farm? And if so, how did you, how did you negotiate out of that? And if, uh, and, and well, I'll split the question after you answer that one, but I'm kind of curious. Then. Yeah. It, I, there was never any pressure. Um, I think it was there if I wanted if I wanted it. Um, but it was, it was always, I think in my psyche, I always knew I wanted to do something different and I wanted to, you know, move on to something that I was passionate about. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like being a, a farm kid, but I wasn't you know, passionate about it. So, um, uh, yeah, no, there, it, it, it was, there was never any pressure except cool. to get the work done on time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the other part of the question off of what you were talking about that I'm really curious about for the listener is like a lot of people, uh, younger people ask me, what's, you know, what's a piece of advice, Scott, that you would give? And I always say, be, be patient. Don't be in a rush to, to create yourself, you know, take your time. And so when you look back at that, you know, taking the extra years in school and things and how you've turned out in life, how do you look back at that? Like, do you look back with the sense that, you know, maybe we sometimes are rushing to, to judgment on what we want to be? Uh, you know, earlier in our lives? Yeah, I always answer that question that you got to find your passion. Hmm. And um, that's not going to be obvious right away to some people. And you need some life experience and you need some failures and you have to figure yourself out and what you really like. And I think the people I've met, the people that are most successful love what they do. Hmm. And if you love what you do, it just, you know, usually falls into place for you and so that experience was a I had to grow up as a kid I had to realize that um you know I wanted to find something in athletics and uh you know that was uh my you know my injury history was the catalyst to understanding you know hey there's other professions outside the you know the 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 trades that you know I might be interested in so yeah that's Mm -hmm. that's that unfolded so you get into Sheridan after many uh, tries and then discover is when you discover is that process, do you discover something that you fall in love with? Because obviously you, your life changes into being more business oriented, but we'll, we'll get there. But I'm kind of curious, is it not, not meeting the mark for you or do you fall in love with it? What, what happens there? So here's, here's something that most people, um, have a hard time I don't want to say believing but you know you have destiny in life sometimes too and so before I got to Sheridan I had this mental picture of what I would graduate doing and what it would look like so before day one of Sheridan I had in my mind I wanted to have a clinic I didn't know what that looked like per se but I knew I wanted to have a clinic and I also knew that I wanted some component of bracing. So going back to all those injuries, I would go to a local sports store and buy braces for my knees, uh, you know, post-surgery. And I frankly didn't have any idea what I was doing. It was just like, you know, I need some support. My kneecap uh, kept wanting to dislocate. I needed support. Mentally, I knew nothing. And uh, um, so, you know, I went to find something to help me on my own. And so that's kind of where the bracing came in. So I'm, you know, entering Sheridan, I had, I was going to have a clinic, braces were going to be some part of it. And I knew I was going to graduate and do it. And so when I got to Sheridan, I I fell in love with uh, the program right away. I'll, I'll be honest. I was scared. I was so scared of failing the first couple months because, uh, I got into Sheridan still as a 19 year old and most, there was only three kids that had not had a degree. So back then it was a two-year program. Most kids had a kinesiology degree or something else. And so I was a high school kid uh, coming in with uh, two other kids that had, uh, you know, no other uh, university experience. So 
the the one thing is I worked you know really hard to ensure that I was going to pass. Uh, I enjoyed it. I loved it, and you know it, it kind of f- checked all the you know, the boxes for me. So mm-hmm. when I got there, it was, you know, it was, I, you know, I loved doing it. Now, the one thing I will say is that I might've been a catalyst in the program um, to move things a little bit more clinical uh, because in my mind, I wanted, you know, to own a clinic, rent a clinic, you know, and uh, traditionally back then it was all about uh, field work and working with teams. And so I think I ruffled some feathers back then because my co-op was at the Fit- Fitness Institute in their physiotherapy program in year two. And so that was an unusual, I might have been the first person that had their co-op full-time uh, placement uh, in a clinic. And I, mm. I, spent the, I spent the whole year there. And so that really also was a nice foundation, you know, to, to leverage me into, you know, having a sense of what to do. Hmm. Where do you, so who, who really influences you when you're at Sheridan to, is there somebody that really makes an impact on you personally and professionally while you're there? Well, and to this day is Barry Bartlett, like Barry was, um, you know, a supporter and an encourager and a confidant. And, uh, you know, uh, to this day, you know, he's, he's, someone that I still really look up to and, you know, can call him a friend. And, you know, once a year we get together uh, one way or another. And, and so that, that was, you know, Barry was really uh, important to keep me on track and keep me moving forward. And he actually encouraged me to be a little bit different. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, he didn't keep me in the box. He didn't say, no, Rick, you got to conform. Uh, and you know, whether Barry had a little bit of a vision or he was giving me rope, I don't know, but, uh, you know, he let me push the the boundaries of what an athletic therapist was at that time mm. and, and to move outside the box. Mm. So what, what informs you that you can do this? Cause like you said, you're in a situation where it's not the norm and it kind of requires you to look outside the box. And so when you're in those kinds of circumstances, and I'm really wanting to act, unpack this for anybody who sort of feels the same way as you, what informs you that uh, I can do this? I, I can, I can, I can create a clinic. I can build this business. I, I can do something that other people haven't really thought about yet. Um, I think, I think it goes back to being a farmer and being independent because, you know, you had to do things, right? So your dad would say, go do this and you'd have to figure it out. Hmm. And actually that was one of his favorite phrases, figure it out. Right. So, (laughs) um, so, and some of it, you know, I go back being naive, uh, being a little bit lucky, but charging ahead as a as as just having this confidence that no matter what happened, I was going to make it work. And you know, I was ready for challenges. Uh, there were certainly lots of them. But um, you know, I put my head down and made it happen. And you know, people back then called me a maverick or you know a rebel or those kind of things. And uh, f- frankly, it was just about pushing forward and, and making it happen. And, um, you know, like I said, um, t- timing was a, a big factor. And I think all these things came together to give me the opportunity, step one, to, to move forward and, and be successful. Mm. So tell me about the first, like you finish school and, and you create something. I'm not familiar with exactly what your first initial creation was, but what, what do you initiate business with and, and what tools inform you on how to do that? Because you're in a program that's not teaching you really anything about business. Um, yeah. So, so how do you learn that and, 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 and dive into that? Yeah. Well, let me go to the, how do, how do you learn that? So, um, a lot of it was self-taught and, you know, you make mistakes and, and you know, today I have a significant team around me and, and with, you know, the expertise, but when you, you know, I, I was a young kid still and, uh, you know, I was charging ahead and, 
you know, I, I, I didn't have the right financial forecast. I didn't have, you know, the budgets. It was just all in a belief that if I do this, that will happen. And, you know, I was fortunate that a lot of that stuff happened, but as you grow, if you don't get those things in place, you're in big trouble. And so, um, I did a lot of stuff early. Uh, you know, I, I did a lot of stuff around understanding, you know, uh, financials and, uh, I wasn't good at, as at Excel. And so I took an Excel course I, you know, I wasn't a great uh, letter writer, but I took a letter writing course. And so at the list, you know, you start with these basics and then as it went, you know, I, I joined a really, I think, um, career shifting, uh, organization called the strategic coach. Uh, that was really good. I started going to the world business forum every single year. Uh, I went to the innovation forum, uh, in California. I, only a year ago, I was at a brand camp, uh, they talk about branding. Uh, but you need, you need to meet people. And two things that I, was really significant in my life too, was I joined an organization called YEO, uh, Young Entrepreneurs of Ontario. And uh, so they have a lot of education, but every month you would be in a group of 10 people and it was confidential and you would go uh, once a month and hear other business problems. And as a group of 10, uh, you would share your experiences and advice to, to help that person. And so I was exposed to a lot of stuff at a much higher level than, than myself met some incredible people that you know I, I stay in touch with and uh, you were supposed to be uh, 45 and under at the time and then the, and then you moved to young presidents uh, of Ontario uh, but at the time I met some really sharp smart people and learned a ton and and that was really good and and the other thing I did to hear Barry was um, one of the guys I met uh, encouraged me to join Rotary and here in Barrie, so the way Rotary works is that you're supposed to have technically one or two people from each profession. And so when I got in this group of 80 people here in Barrie, you know, it was uh, lawyers, it was accountants, and um, it was doctors, and it was, you know, radiologists, and it was really, you know, influential business people in town. And they made just as much impact on, you know, my future because... <clears throat> three or four or five years down the road, I could pick up the phone and, you know, call people. What are you doing here? Help me with this. Hey, you know, could be a business opportunity. And the other thing that came out of that is that, you know, I started to build this team around me. Uh, but at the time, you know, I didn't have the right advice. I didn't have the expertise that I needed. And so someone took me under their wing and said, hey, you need to be with this accounting firm. And you need this tax account. And, and, you know, that was really, really important. And that happened in the first five years with, you know, I think that was just as instrumental. Uh, and you take all these pieces. So not one thing was a game changer, but everything together, you know, changed the game, I would say, improved, you know, the outcome and pushed me in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note like you talked about earlier you you know find something that you're passionate about and you know you'll you'll have success in it if you apply yourself properly so what what do you actually fall in love with what are you passionate about so i call myself the cook or the innovator so i like to create so i i'm not the detail guy unfortunately my wife and you know my support team look after the details so i like to create so it's uh, whether that's relationships, whether that's new products, whether it's new programs. And I like also, we test a lot of concepts. We try to do things differently. So, um, you know, I'll give you just one example from the last year or so is, is you know, we've got a multidisciplinary clinic where we have physios, chiros, massage, naturopaths, orthopedic surgeons, sportmed docs, kins, ATs. Um, but what makes that complement successful is when they integrate and when they work together. So uh, 
you know, if someone needs an adjustment and a bunch of soft tissue with the physio, the result's better. And um, I wanted our chiros and physios to integrate more. And traditionally, chiros would be in the room. And so the chiro would do their treatment in the room, and then they would leave. And so the patient wouldn't see sort of the outside of the open concept uh, part of the, the clinic. Uh, there would be, you know, low low amount of integration with the physios or the ATs. So I was always trying to, without telling people, because when you tell them they won't do it, you got to create a conduit. Uh, <laughs> of facilitating communication. And so um, I'm sure, I, you know, we weren't the first company to do it, but we started putting uh, chiros, our new chiros, on the floor. So they were treating on beds, you know, side by side. And the communication got better. And, you know, the understanding of, hey, when can a chiro help me as a physio or an AT and vice versa. And so I think the cross-knowledge, the cross-integration grew, and it was just you know, trying something different uh, that wasn't typical, you know, and that was, hey, let's give this a try. And, you know, so we took the first person. And, and now the funny thing is, unless uh, Cairo has been practicing for a long time in a room, our new people, anybody that's, you know, uh, a new hire, they want to try it open. And so that's kind of cool. And, and uh, so, you know, that was just a, an example of, you know, one concept that was maybe not traditional. Hmm. Um, Robert Kiyosagi wrote this book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't know if you've ever read it, but uh, he talks in the book a little bit about the idea of there being the employee, the you know solopreneur, the entrepreneur, and the investor type of people. And you know, a lot of ATs and therapists come out of school and their first mindset is kind of, well, I want to get a job. So they have that employee mindset. Maybe they start to shift to the solopreneurship. And when they start working for themselves or working as a contractor, then eventually this kind of idea starts to per percolate in their brain. Well, maybe I can own a clinic and I can own a business. And I'm just curious from your perspective, having done all this, what is what are some of the uh, landmines or the red flags that you're really not meant to be an entrepreneur? Like you, you know, because it's not. I don't really believe it's meant for everybody. But a lot of times, people think, well, the next way for me to earn an income or be successful is to own a clinic or to own a series of clinics, and then they get themselves into something that they're actually really not passionate about and not enjoying. So, just some thoughts on that. When you're, you're yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things I can talk about. Um, uh, and you're right. Not everybody is is made um, made for it. And some sometimes, you know, I think about it. You might be born with it. Some sometimes you teach yourself. And I'll just give you a quick story. When I was 16, 17, 18, I rented my own farm. And <laughs> I, Dad's I, wasn't good enough. <laughs> well, my dad didn't pay well. <laughs> <laughs> love it <laughs> so you know we bought uh, some calves and we you know we bought and sold hay and straw and uh i had a partner and so it was kind of in my blood to be in business right and mm. so um but what i'd say is you know you, you got to be willing to accept risk uh you got to be willing to face uh failure uh you got to be willing to work a lot um, and you know, some of the things I say is you got to be willing to do whatever it takes, no matter what the price is to survive. Hmm. And, you know, we, we've had lots of, lots of highs and lots of lows over 33 years. Um, and when we, you know, when we've run into some issues, it's about how are you going to get out of it? Hmm. What, what do you need to do and, and how are you going to make it happen? And, and being aggressive, um, I don't like the word ruthless, but doing what you need to do to, to make it happen. And, um, you know, there's, there's a good side to, you know, the good side is the marketing and the relationships and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, um, finding strategies that you're willing to take on and, and make it happen. And so, you know, being an entrepreneur, uh, owning your own clinic, uh, you got to be willing to sacrifice family too. Like, um, 
my my wife uh, was two months in uh, after our first child, and she was back at work, bringing the baby to work. Right, so mm-hmm. those are sacrifices. You're not gonna you're not gonna sit at home for a year uh, when you run the business. It's just those things just are different, mm-hmm. and so it's it's about um, there's a thrill to business too. Right, so it's it's having the passion to want to win, be successful. Um, I'm going to use the word compete. Like if if you don't have that athletic mindset to beat your competitor or to be better than your competitor, to outthink, um, outdo, out relationship, whatever it is, uh, your, your success is probably going to be marginal. So you know those are all things that. Uh, kind of went all over the map there. So I apologize, but there's a lot of things that um, most people I don't think understand. Like I I see a lot of people that go into business and, you know, one person said, well, you you know, you just put out an ad and the people will come. And I'm going, no, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) There's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's not simple, it's complicated, uh, and there's a lot of levels from, you know, day one to day, you know, year 33. Right? Mm-hmm. What, um, what's an early error, mistake, failure you had that really informed you moving forward that you tried not to make again or mistake you tried not to make again early on in your... ReconditioningHQ.com is announcing the creation of the R-Pro series. There are now four steps to becoming a reconditioning professional. It all starts with our signature course, R1 Foundations, that sets you up with this unique, holistic approach to integrating the power of therapeutic practice and performance practice. This course, as well as the second course in our series, R2 Designs, is completely online. You can register and digest all the content from the comfort of your own home. Each course comes with a Zoom Lab experience where we take all the information and work with you to ensure you completely understand how to align it with your own practice. The third step, the R3 experience. This is a complete eight-week mentorship online where we go deep on the entire process and make certain you are prepared to succeed. Finally, we'll be releasing our first R4 collab sometime near the end of 2021. This will be an incredible live event where we use collaborative teaching design to manipulate the process with you and everyone in attendance so that everyone learns the nuances of the reconditioning process and leave being prepared to call yourself a reconditioning professional. For more information on all our courses, including our landmark personal development program, Empower You, please check out reconditioninghq.com today and use the coupon code LYM50 for $50 off any one of our course offering. You want data? We've got data. You can now add real-time biometric testing and data monitoring to your Isofit MSK. Thanks to our partnership with Kinvent, you can easily transform your Isofit MSK into a state-of-the-art testing and training platform. Monitoring your athlete's progress has never been easier. With the K-Force Isofit Pack, you can easily send real-time acoustic and optic biofeedback to your smartphone or tablet. To learn more about the Isofit MSK and K-Force Isofit Pack, visit www.isofitphitmsk.ca today. Matrix Fitness Canada partners with coach Mark Fitzgerald to oversee its athletic performance program across the country. Mark is based in Kelowna, BC, with operations in multiple provinces serving athletes and families of various age groups. Most recently, the strength and conditioning coach for the Anaheim Ducks. Mark is also the head of performance and owns Elite Training Systems, a high-performance training center that caters to athletes across multiple sports. Matrix Fitness views all of us as athletes, and it is our goal to make better movement and fitness accessible to all. The Matrix Fitness Canada performance team will assist with program development, space and facility consults, and developing outreach programs for organizations who train competitive athletes and athletes at heart. Matrix Fitness has a full portfolio of fitness, performance, and medical equipment and programs designed to serve various populations. For more information on how Matrix can help with your objectives, go to teamupwithmatrix.com forward slash CA today. 
I don't know if it was a mistake, but <clears throat> we we had five clinics in five years with you know zero experience. Um, so that was tremendous growth. It all worked out, but um, at the same time, uh, it was it was stressful. Uh, didn't understand cash flow. You know, you think you got your loan covered, but you know you don't project properly on cash flow and payables and. That's where that support team comes, and you know, managing, uh, you know, a, a day-to-day rolling forecast, and you know, as a as a business owner, you know, it's it's fun to open businesses, but to make it work is the hard part, right? And, mm-hmm. and we did an awful lot, of, you know, fast, and you know, fortunately, it worked out. Fortunately, I got the right advice. Uh, you know, timing was incredible because there was a massive appetite for what we did early. And so we always had the revenue. It was just managing within, you know, those numbers and and the growth. And, and then the whole HR side of hiring staff and having the right staff and keeping staff and, you know, staff want to compete with you eventually. And, you know, there's all those little pieces that, you know, you, you figure out the experience, you know, you go through the pain and, um, you know, I would say after 33 years, nothing is easier. It's just as hard today as it was 33 years ago. Mm. And I would also say you have more to lose. Mm. So as, as a young kid, uh, you know, I charged ahead no matter what. It was like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Uh, but you had nothing to lose, <laughs> right? So you had, you know, yeah, you had skin in the game, but it was, you know, not that much. And, and now, you know, you, you think about your your family and your future and your retirement and there's all those dynamics where you know a loss today seems more significant than it did you know back then Mm -hmm. the one of the big leaps of faith that starts to happen between solopreneurship entrepreneurship is this idea you just mentioned about hiring people and now there's sort of there's two parts to that one is your responsibility to them and their responsibility to you so what's you know, how have you gone about choosing people that you wanted on your team and how has that changed over the last 33 years? You know, you, maybe you hired differently in the beginning and now you hire in a different way now. Yeah, and there's no straight answer to that because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, there, there's supply and demand issues. And so, mm. you know, I think in, a, in an optimal environment, you go out and you hire the person you want. And we've been fortunate that over time we've we've went out and got people that are just fantastic practitioners. But through the ebbs and flows of supply and demand, too, there's times when uh, there's a mat leave or someone does leave or someone moves where you need to fill positions. And, you know, you get one resume in three months. Um, you, you have to be a little less uh, fussy and choosy. Now, that person hopefully comes in and fits your culture. Um, but, you know, those are the dynamics of, of supply and demand and getting the right people. Mm. Uh, we, we've been pretty lucky where we, you know, we, we've also changed where we, if someone was hired, they didn't fit, we'd work with them for two years to try to make them fit. But we've learned that if, if you don't fit in the first three months, you're not fitting, you know, it's rare. <laughs> I think I can think of one instance where, you know, we've turned someone around, but if it's not a good fit, make a change that, you know, it Mm. sounds bold, but uh, you just impact so many parts of the business, your, you know, your other staff and it's not working, it's not working. And, you know, it's better to take less revenue than have, you know, someone that's not a good fit, but we spend a lot of time on our team and it's, it's cultivating, um, it's, it's cultivating. We've we've cultivated a family environment. Uh, we're actually a, a fairly big business with a family sort of vibe, right? And so it's it's uh, making sure we recognize people, making sure that we have face to face conversations, making sure we have open doors, uh, making sure that everyone knows what their expectation is, and when they meet it, um, you know, uh, making sure that you know they get recognized for it and. Building a culture where it's exciting to come to work. Um, If people aren't happy coming to work for me, I don't want them. 
you know, mm-hmm. I, and I want someone that loves their colleagues, loves their the, the clinic, and and what that does is drive learning, drives. Because uh, I've had many people tell me that when they walk into our facilities, you can feel the positivity, and to me, that's that's the goal, right? So, even though uh, you know, patients are quite a you know they can they can see and feel things. The ones that are more astute and can uh, can see, you know, they can see the three other physios on the floor. Whether they got a smile, whether they got a hop in their step, whether they're you know ha- happy people and happy to be there, right? And so, when you get when you get good people, when you get smart people, and they all want to be here, uh, it it really drives the engine, right? So mm-hmm. I can only do, do so much from where I sit. At the end of the day, I bring the people in through, you know, what I do on the marketing side and relationship side and from an engine perspective. But at the end of the day, it's you need good practitioners and you need people that care and you need people that do a really good job. And, and so, you know, we've worked hard uh, at education, you know, bringing you to Barry to do education. And we, we try to do, you know, one killer education event per year, you know, on the company. And then we support people doing other things. And so, um, you know, the trick is trying to find that culture and create it and keep it. Cool. How do you uh, how do you meet your lovely wife, and then how do you know she's the one and the right one, and then how do you guys decide you're going to actually go into business together rather than doing separate things or different things? Yeah, that's a good question. I uh, so I met Tamara. Uh, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, we were double dating with another couple, and uh, <laughs> couples broke up, and lo and behold, uh, Tamara and I got together, and. Um, the neat thing is we were married in six months. <laughs> so he came from a farm. I came from a farm. Uh, she was super motivated. We kept just kind of lined up in, in our values, our work ethic. And she, you know, I got to tell you, she works just as hard as I do. Uh, maybe harder because, you know, she does things at home that maybe I don't do. Uh, so, uh, you know, to, to find a partner that's lined up that way is, you know, been you know, certainly a monster part of this success story. So. Awesome. And how does uh, becoming a dad change your, because you're, you know, to be successful in business, there's a bit of an obsessive personality that has to be sort of brought to bear, but then becoming a parent kind of has to shift that a little bit. So how do you, how does it affect you? Does it rock you or does it actually empower you to be, become a dad? Uh, well, being a dad's been wonderful. Um, you know, I think our kids have uh, had some sacrifices because of our workloads, but at the same time, they've had some of the benefits that go with go with you know being successful. So, um, you know, we're coming out of COVID. You know, all the issues around that, and and uh, the you know, I still think about where's my son going to play hockey next year, and you know. Uh, that, that, that plays on me just as much as, you know, uh, you know, what I need to get done today. So, you know, kids are a fantastic thing. And, um, you know, fortunately I have, uh, you know, a daughter who, who shares our desire to work hard and be successful. And my, my son, um, in his own way, works hard around athletics and, you know, he wants to go to school in the U S and, 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 you know, play play hockey ncaa hockey so you know the 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 dedication it takes to get there you know is significant as well so um and they both enjoy sports and they both have lined up well around that and uh probably the downside is is that we're super competitive with all of us right and so (laughs) can't play a game of checkers without (laughs) somebody winning you gotta wear equipment when you're yeah I'm going to actually take my moment uh, in my podcast. I read from this book. It's called The Day You Were Born, and it was written by an astrologer who combines numerology with astrology. And it was actually kind of ironic when I got your birthday because you're October 2nd. And my uh, good friend, who is also a friend of yours, Ron Rappel, is a, a December 2nd. So he, you guys are twos, which doesn't surprise me now. So uh, it would it's kind of interesting to see that thread. But anyways, the, the book basically tells you what your purpose is, that as a, a little quote, 
about and then talks a little bit about your your character, so to speak. So your purpose is to use your spirit to avoid the decadence and excess in life, to focus on your ability to help others without being pulled off your path. You are unique, and if that is not fulfilled, then something has been lost. Martha Graham. The two is always unique and matched with Libra. They've got a soul that has its own expression. Libra twos feel a great need to contribute something to the world. Um, yeah, you're a Libra two. Sorry, I didn't say that at the beginning. Their desire to be used for a higher purpose. What's that? Oh, sir. Their desire to be used for a higher purpose can make them great leaders or codependents. The keys here are strong sense of self and a spiritual base. If ego hasn't found its place, the need to please may inhibit the true talents of this soul and send them on a path of acquiring possessions instead of healing themselves and others. As a child, they were either spoiled or and indulged or ignored, and they learned how to not to expose their truth. Depression, mood swings, and, and an inability to trust could be problems they're stronger than they appear and are are more stubborn than most their charm and ease with people makes a more complex person at some time they will be prodded to come out of their shells and shine they have a great deal to offer the world if they can get beyond their fear and reach out to others so i don't know if any of that resonates for you but that's a little bit of you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So why did you end up why did you end up having three different kinds of businesses rather than you know the clinic and you mentioned the braces piece so which one came I don't recollect which one came first right. you start building trainers choice first and then the others but how does that come about Yeah so it started with the clinics um, we we had rapid growth in 5 years uh, with the clinics and then trainers choice was about 5 years into it about 1995ish um, so in the clinic, being an athletic therapist, right, you either tape or, you know, you look at <clears throat> a way to send someone back safely, or can you help, you know, with a tracking issue? And so in the clinic, we were buying and selling just because of my nature. And I was on the floor as a clinician at the time. <clears throat> and I like, and maybe because I was a farmer, you know, with my hands, I always like to do something. Uh, and so we were, um, buying products, but I was never happy with them. So I, you know, I put the brace on and, you know, strap, straps would break or, you know, you want a patellar tracking uh, pad with some, you know, with some tension on it um, and, and could never really find the one I want. So then I started going to Gold's Gym, or sorry, Gold's <laughs> Shoe Repair uh, uh, here in Barry. And so they, you know, they fix shin pads and shoes. And so I bring the brace in and say, hey, can you sew this on here? And, and so after about six months of playing with stuff uh, and getting really, really good feedback, uh, I said to myself, well, I wonder if we could create a bit of a line uh, around, you know, what I think works better and it's not available. So I went to a, a local contractor who makes um, uh, contractors nail pouches for Home Depot and said, uh, hey, can you make me a brace line? And so here's, so I created patterns. I did all the kind of the setup work for him and then he sold them. I found a distributor and uh, we, we had some fairly quick success around these products. But then I ran into supply issues and then it was, uh, you know, I got the brain uh, idea of why don't we make them ourselves? So <laughs> I rented some space. I bought 10 sewing machines and I hired one sewer. And that's how Trainer's Choice was, was started. Wow. And, you know, if we fast forward, you know, we've, we've had product made, uh, here in, in, in Barry, then we went to Sri Lanka for about 15 years. Uh, we're currently in China. Uh, we, you know, we're the number one brand uh, at Mast Retail Pharmacy in Canada. So we have, uh, you know, Shoppers Drug Mart, Loblaws, Metro, Jean Coutu. Uh, we just did uh, a deal with Rexall, Pharmasave, like any sort of national pharmacy were there. And we're competing against the big boys like 3M. And, and so it's, you know, I'm pretty proud that you know, we got a really, really strong run here. 
and lots of upside to go. And um, so that's that's how Trainer's Choice evolved. Part of it was way back at the beginning, we thought we'd be in a clinic supply situation, supply, you know, CFL uh, with their training supplies. And we still do that. That's kind of uh, something we started with, but it's certainly not our focus. It's, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a, a brace company and a distributor company. And then we started selling other people's brands because uh, to get into companies like Shoppers, Drug Mart, and Loblaws, uh, you have to be listed and vendorized, and, and it's not easy to do. And so companies would come from, say, the U.S. and try to get uh, products listed, and it, it's almost impossible unless it's uh, something, you know, a rock star product that everybody needs. So uh, we we have companies come to us on a regular basis and say, would you take our line and, you know, bring it, you know, into your network? So, you know, we've had... Uh, Products like uh, Nordic Naturals, you know, a, a really big Omega line uh, out of California. We've had uh, Dr. Cool out of Boston. Um, the Kayla Rings out of California. Uh, so, we, you know, we've done lots of stuff with other companies. And uh, so that, that just kind of fits into what we do and the mechanics. And, like, we've got a pretty specialized team dealing with head offices and buyers. So, uh, you know, we're either... We actually do uh, almost like a uh, there's a government agency that tries to help people launch products, and we come and vet them so they come in and we'll see ten different products and and guide them uh, to the next steps. And it's people with single products; it's really difficult to get to market unless you have the right advice and deep pockets and lots of time. Mm-hmm. Well, all of all of the work stuff, you know, um, can make Jack a dull boy to a degree. So, how do you how do you en- enlighten your life, so to speak, with not work? What is what is your passion aside from work? And then all and how does it create or ground you and balance you? And on a second note to that, how have you maintained your health, well being, sanity through you know hard work? Because there are there is a cost to business to a degree. So I'm just curious for the listener how you've done that. Yeah. And I, I try, you know, phones are a good thing and a bad thing. You know, you're always checking emails and, you know, I've tried to put things in buckets and, you know, when you get home certain times, you just stop looking at it. But, um, you know, part, part of me is my athletic side. And so, I refereed in OHL for seven years, and that was a you know passion of mine. And then I, when I retired, I went to uh, retired from an injury. Actually, I, I was hit the game, had a third degree MCL, and never refed again. But um, I went from there to coaching my son. Uh, so I, again, got interested in high performance and, uh, and high performance coaching, and coached at the AAA level. Uh, probably for six years in different capacities. And and so I spent a lot of time around that. And now I help organizations um, uh, with concussion management. And we sort of border on a couple organizations regionally here. And so we do work for them. And, and uh, you know, I help them on the coaching side a little bit in terms of background ideas and support, organization support. So um, th- that's what kind of, drives me a little bit is on the athletics and I still enjoy the hockey world. And, and, you know, if, if I retire in time, would like to do something, you know, down the hockey line here, if it, if it was available, but, you know, and I love, again, my son still got one year junior left watching his games. And so that's kind of the outlet. Uh, physical fitness is still important. You know, we still, both of us, the whole family actually, you know, Although I eat too much of the bad kind of foods, you know, still getting up every day, you know, four days a week, I work out before I start work. And uh, here's a here's a small tidbit. So, because of my farm background, I love cutting my grass. So I cut my grass like every three days. Got a John Deere lawnmower tractor, and it's it's funny that just kind of sets me straight for the night. <laughs> because That's awesome. Fix of the farm, yeah. That's so, beautiful. 
So you mentioned retirement. Like, um, how does somebody who's basically, you know, got business in their blood and loves the action of the the deal and the work and the the marketing and all the things that you like to do? How how, how do you contemplate retirement, or do you, in some sense? So I've had lots of friends that have uh, sold out and uh, at young ages and almost to a T, every one of them after two or three years have been bored and started working again. So learning from those lessons, you know, what I'd like to do is, is um, reduce the workload. Uh, you know, it's 7.24 on your mind, you know, 24-7. Um, it'd be nice to get to a place where, you know, I can work three quarters time, uh, you know, not work through the weekends and not work Fridays. To me, that's retirement and still, you know, keep my, my finger in with what I like to do. And <clears throat> we still got lots of things we do and lots of offshoot companies that we run. And so if I can continue just to do what I like, you know, we didn't mention my muscle. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the strength and conditioning business. Uh, we've got a lot of hockey, uh, you know, influence here. There are lots of hockey players and, and, you know, that's just a fun thing that I love to do. And we've got some great people and great coaches. And so that, you know, seeing the hockey players and the, you know, we got some pro players and OHL players and we're connected with the Barry Colts here and, you know, having those athletes come in is, is fun. And so, you know, doing what I'm going to do, you know, edging, moving towards retirement is just, <clears throat> you know, reduce the stress and reduce the workload and do what I love, you know, and that's, that's mm. kind of where it's going to end up. How has, um, you know, on that note, how has the, you know, you mentioned earlier, like some, sometimes you're going to have employees or people who work for you end up competing with you and things like that. But you also have this, you know, cohort of people who are inspired by you and grow and then they go off and they move to other places and do things. And how does, how does, how does that make you feel when you see the success of, you know, young people who worked for you for a while and then they've gone off and done this, that, or the other thing, where does that place in your heart? You know, I, it's fantastic to see people go out and, and, you know, do what they want to do and be successful. And there's a, a physio that moved to Belleville and, you know, we, we stay connected and he asks advice and it's, it's, it's nice to be able to help him and see, you know, different options of doing things. And, and, you know, <clears throat> what I did is not always right for the next person. It's here's your options, you know, see what fits for you and, you know, take it to the next level. So, but I, I, you know, you know, when people compete with you, it's always sort of, um, it can be done in a professional friendly way and it can be done, you know, in a, you know, in a, in a bitter way. And so, you know, as you get older, you try to do things in a way that, you know, you don't, you reduce, you know, the, the fight and the, the anger and just do things professionally and move on and, and, uh, you know, rebuild if you have to. Mm. So to, to kind of bring this puppy to a, to or land the plane, so to speak, I want to go back um, to when you were sort of first visualizing what you wanted to have, uh, and now what you have. What, what if you ran into that kid now and bumped into him in the hallway? What would you say to him as he was dreaming about having a, a clinic and some braces? <laughs> well, you know, I, I've been really fortunate as 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 I said. I don't. I don't think I'd ever imagine as that, uh, you know, 22 year old that, um, it would grow this big. Uh, you know, we, we've achieved some success that, you know, I didn't dream of, uh, you know, we, we busted our ass to get there, but, um, it, it, it's turned out way bigger than, than expected. And, uh, probably, you know, um, having that one clinic and, and the little brace depot beside it, I certainly checked that box early and, and was able to, uh, to grow it past that. So yeah, it's, you know, um, been fortunate to have good people, you know, a great wife, great family. And, and you know what, I always, without having great people that work for us, you know, it, it wouldn't be possible either. So, you know, having great people, uh, around you and working for you and believing in you uh that's what you know at the end of the day drives the boss nice 
Well, sir, thank you for taking uh, some time out of your day for me and uh, telling your story. I'm sure it's going to serve valuable for a lot of people who contemplate business or are looking at their passion. So thanks for your time. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Have a good day. Thanks for joining us today on Leave Your Mark. I hope we've left a mark on you today, and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story, taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast. Please follow us at Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de Saint-Rome.